That Transformer trailer is the most boring thing ever filmed, correct? Oh, I it mean, is. Um, Kilby, John DeLuna, and Diecast are supposed to record, like, a, you know, reaction thing to it later, and I just don't see the point. Well, it'll just be like a long yawn, and then it'll be over in like. How do you react seconds. to something that isn't anything? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Basically, with the RFC crew, I think you can tell who the smart ones are by who doesn't care about talking about the movies. I thought it was the ones who did Towast instead. Well, that too. Oh, Mickey Synth is back. Oh, we're going to have one of those evenings, aren't we? Podcasts, The Final Frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission? Explore old episodes of Star Trek. Alienate even more listeners and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek with Chris. So I'm developing a collection of me saying variations of Scott, you're an idiot. Hey, Mickey. In this episode, Scott doesn't understand acting. Scott. I'm a little bit confused. And Fort Max. Superhero Time makes fools of us all. Okay, so this week on that one episode of Star Trek, well, we didn't do last week because reasons, but we're doing the same episode we would have done last week, which is the most toys from Star Trek Next Generation Season 3. Uh, I like the, the, the original episode for this, uh, original title for this episode, which was, they're called action figures. <laughs> they're not dolls. <laughs> they're action figures, Mom. But yes, this is the Star Trek episode all about us. Well three of us anyway <laughs> which three that's the mystery <laughs> yeah this uh it's a very weird episode um it's a good episode. it was data it was data centric which i liked mm-hmm. uh it was data being a righteous asshole <laughs> and yeah. it also had jordy having some ptsd which is always good <laughs> well he gets that from waking up in the morning yeah. So, Mickey, this was your pick, so why don't you, for as long as you're with us this week, uh, you know, lead oh, on. Oh, let's not and say I did. It's going to be a short show, then. Well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, we can start talking about the Super Bowl if you guys want to start doing that. It didn't catch on fire. That's a plus. <laughs> The power stayed on. Uh, no rogue titties popped out. Oh. Yeah. Of course, it would just been Lady the, Gaga, and who wants to see that? Is that the porno parody of Rogue One? Hmm. <laughs> rogue titties? <laughs> rogue number one? Riker? Yeah. Okay, so Data is hopping in a shuttle pod to transport some... Uh, Highly dangerous nitroglycerin. Space I, nitroglycerin. I have yes. some conceptual issues with this this setup. 
Everybody does. Being that they're using the Enterprise's Yugo to deliver cargo, which is taking 27 trips when they have, you know, Chevy Astros, which could load the whole quantity at once. Also, they've got dozens of these two-man shuttle pods. Evidently, right. they blow up enough of them. Yeah. I mean, the shuttle, shuttle Bay 1 is fucking massive. It's like an aircraft carrier in there. They can hold – They hold. how many shuttles? Anybody with a technical manual can look up. They have like dozens of shuttles. Actually, I read this morning, as I said, they've got roughly 100 craft on the Enterprise. Yeah. Yes, because you can fit like 20 Yugos in a square foot. Okay. So, also – Maybe also, Voyager just was full of shuttles then. Also, this is the Pike. Actually, Voyager was just like a school of shuttles, so it looked like one starship. <laughs> Interesting yeah, notion. But yes, uh, this is this is the Pike, so of course it's all transmission is binary. <laughs> this is it's so it's dumb, goes beep or beep beep. <laughs> So they they instead they could have just I mean they have umbilicals in space you could just put airlock up to airlock and do it that way and there's a million different ways better to yeah, do it than catch the most diseases like that unless you use protection. Okay, I mean they must have like unmanned cargo sleds or something like that that they could just load stuff on have it this automatically. This is unmanned cargo sled. It's just data in it. Or a tractor beam for God's sake. They open up their cargo bay and then you use a tractor beam and pull it out. Hmm. Oh, the, the the gravitons would make the natural would explode. You did you, shut up. Shut I up. mean, it did crush that Air Force jet that one time, so I mean, he might be onto something there. Yeah, nerds, shut up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. So then he hops in and hits the gas and gets about halfway back home when his shuttle blows up. Oh no. Well, I think we're missing some parts here. <laughs> what part are we missing? And then Data goes missing, and then eventually the Enterprise realizes that he's alive and they get him. Okay, let's go home, everybody. <laughs> no, literally, they load in the cargo. Data says, okay, I'm bringing the last load back, and he blows up halfway there, and then it cuts to the opening credits. What more do you want from this, this cold open? <laughs> well, the rest of Data's <laughs> dead. Where's the episode going to go from here? I don't know. Let's find out. Do we have to? Like, you're totally skipping over the part where they electrocute Data before they send him out to die in the shuttle. Okay, I guess I did skip over that, yes. Yeah, yeah kind of an important part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, they gave him a Galaxy Note 7 to play with, and it just <laughs> took him right out. <laughs> so, uh, up on the bridge after the opening credits, everyone's not really sad about this. They look more confused and angry. Maybe a little numb. Uh, not quite numb, but like, Picard's expression, they're like, what the fuck? That was my android. <laughs> right, that was Starfleet property by law. No, I think they overturned that. Mm, it know. was by law, but not anymore. Oh, okay. And so, ship he calls reports. up the captain of the other ship, Mr. Fajo. Fajo? That's Fajo. Uh, hey, what happened? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Looks like it blew, blew up. up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I first like saw this, your logs, um, <laughs> sure, but they suck. But have at it. <laughs> yeah. Basically, our sensors are just a guy with a sketch pad near a window. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what I was picturing too. <laughs> so good job, Scott. Yeah, you are you. in XV's head. 
<laughs> so I kind of thought Joe looks like he's like a Dollar General version of Paul Reiser. Okay, so when I was watching this guy, when I was watching the episode, I thought for sure that this guy, the way his one side of his mouth moves, the sound of his voice, the way he moves and the inflection of his voice, I swore that this was uh, Dr. Phlox. It's not. It's not. No, this it's is not. Uh, Saul Rubinick. Yeah, I thought it was until that's when I started doing some research. Like, this guy, he's got to be – I'm used to seeing him as a Denobulin, and I did some research like, no, I was completely wrong. But he just sounds and moves just like him. It's really weird. I think it's interesting that he was the second choice for this role. Okay, this is where it starts getting weird. Do we want to go into this now? Yes. Well, Mickey brought it up. So the original Mr. Faja was, uh, what, David Rappaport? I believe Something like that. Uh, yeah. uh, everyone knows and loves him from Time Bandits. Yes. He was a, one of the Time Bandits. Is one of the, was he a little person? Well, they, they were all little people. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. The Time Bandits were the, the, the little people, and then there was right. the kid with them. That was Right, right. Uh, but, okay, apparently, like, uh, he started recording some stuff with them, and then, like, he tried to commit suicide, like, well, the weekend after. Tried. And then he replaced them, and then he did. <laughs> yeah. So, at the last minute, they had to pull in this guy, who, under the circumstances, I think he did a fantastic job. He plays the character fantastically. Solomon's a good actor. I've seen him in other roles, and he always, he always delivers a good performance in what he's doing. Yeah, yeah apparently he, he doesn't really do TV, but he just having like, like passing by to like talk to his friend, the producer. <laughs> hey, I look at the sets, and the guy's like, "Uh, sure, put this on first. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing yeah. that's kind of funny, I was reading like the, the apocrypha about the episode on Memory Alpha, is that when they usually had Rappaport in the role, is one of the ideas was to have the entire ship be constructed to his height. Oh, that'd have been awesome! And so everyone else would be ducked down and cramped, and he'd be comfortable the whole time. Like Gandalf in a hobbit hole. Yes. That'd been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it would have made sense, too. If you're going to build your own ship, you're going to build it to your personal specifications. Yeah. If you're rich enough. I'm glad they didn't go with that when they had to replace them. If you're rich enough to have your own ship like that, <laughs> you are, <clears throat> you're rich enough to make a crew bend to your whim, literally. Or at the waist, as the case may be. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Fort Max. <laughs> All right. So, enough thrilling behind the scenes info. Let's cut in to Data waking up on a snail chair. A, a uh, what? It's a chair shaped like a snail. Oh, oh okay. Like on, on a side. It's all spirally. Have you never seen oh, one I of those see. before? That was a question, Scott. You answer it. Oh, oh, have, have I seen one before? <laughs> yes. Have you ever I, seen a snail before? I, <laughs> I'm sitting on one now, so. No. I have like a lounge no, chase. It's a mollusk, not a moloth. Oh, very good. Yeah, because I've okay. always like furniture shaped like a cochlea. That's That's what I like. Scott, this is a family show. You can't say that. <laughs> well, fuck. That's better. Okay, so Data wakes up and basically says, uh, where am I? No, I think this he realizes where he is because the first question he asks is, what am I doing here? Well, standing up. Congratulations. So he is quickly joined by Mr. Faja. Faja. Uh, I mean, Faja. Who, um... <laughs> 
This pops the grossest boner over data. I just love the way this guy emotes and acts, though. I mean, he just eats up. He looks like he's been playing this character for years. I, I'm so impressed by the actor's just just aggressive just attack of this character. So this actor also spent a season as a recurring character on Frasier later on. Frasier? Wait, Frasier? Uh-huh. Fodger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean father. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves 16-year-old jokes. Okay, so also- what's going on here is Mr. Fodger has uh, kidnapped Data to add him to his collection. To which Data is nonplussed. Now, one thing I want to know. Uh, what is Lore's status at this point? I believe he's uh, floating space, in space right yeah, now. Yeah, space debris, I think, is his status. Yes, because it's not until the second episode, I think, of season four that he reappears and reveals that he killed a bunch of packwoods and stole their ship and clothes. <laughs> <laughs> they all be a little baggy on him. Yes. <laughs> But he is known to still be alive. I mean, well, he is, ex- I'm suspected to still be in one piece at this time, right? No, right. not really, because from the time they beamed him out into space in the first season, any time the subject has come up, it's like Data is the only surviving soon android. Okay. So they presume he's destroyed or... I mean, they didn't see the body, but I mean, he's guaranteed to be dead. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, because androids, man, they they can't stand the vacuum of space, except that they can. Well, Uh, he can withstand the vacuum of space, but it's not like he has any propulsive force to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Look, eventually eventually he's going to run out of beans. (laughs) That's what beans! (laughs) Oh, man. So, also, apparently this guy is part of the same tribe Chakotay is part of. Fajo? No, no, no. He's got far too much personality to be part of Chokei's tribe. <laughs> well, I figure it's like it's like beta male face tattoos. So, <laughs> one thing I think is interesting about this character is that um, he's not a Ferengi. True, true. Because he's been all other character points a Ferengi. Yeah, he could, he certainly could be. Yeah. I don't know. He's not doing this for profit. He's doing it just to own stuff. He's doing it for the esoteric that, that, value, that not the monetary profit. value. I, I disagree. These things yeah. are valuable. They are worth cash money. That's why but they're they important. Have, valuable? Has, well, no, I mean, like, he is a collector. They're valuable to him. He doesn't really seem right. to have an interest in, you know, parting with them at any point. Right, like, exactly. You know, he's he's got his whole his whole collection room there, which is all about showing off the things he has gone to great effort and expense to amass and keep. I still think this falls under Ferengi philosophy because Ferengi philosophy is not so much about wealth uh, monetarily, but it's about acquisition of what you want. I think it's more about profit, and he's not doing this for profit. He's doing profit it is for... acquisition. And, and that, applies to both, that applies to Rom and Nog as well. Yes, Quark would sell them if the right price came along. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think he tried. Not uh, clearly. Uh, he considers you know self-growth profit. That's what he wants to acquire more of. He wants to be that's more a, human. 
Now, some of the things in this guy's collection are pretty rad, though. I mean, he's got like a Salvador Dali. He's got like that baseball card, and he's got like he's actually got some neat stuff. He's got the Mona Lisa, which I think is hilarious. Yes, he's got a baseball card which he's preserved the scent of bubblegum on. Yeah, that's impressive. That's not how scent works. The very nature of scent is particles flying away from something. Right. I over the years I've come to is to remove scent from it. Yeah, over the years I've come to assume that when he says he preserved the scent of the gum, the display case itself is emitting the smell of the gum to make the experience more authentic. Yeah, it's replicated from the original scent. I would imagine whatever was left on it, he replicated it, so it's like always there. Stick shitty baseball card gum right now. Oh my god! Yeah, Yeah. where it doesn't even chew, it just disintegrates like cardboard. Yeah. As a child of the early 90s, I would buy packages of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading cards, which was just cards with images from the cartoon on them. And, of course, there would always be gum in those, which, no matter how fresh the card pack was, it still always cracked. Yep. Yeah. But that's what I had instead of baseball it, cards. It, it was good until the powdered sugar wore off, though. Mm-hmm. Much like any gum. Yeah. So, yeah, as he... Faja explains, basically, you're not going anywhere. Data says, oh, yes, the fuck I am. I'll just use this door. Which doesn't open. Oh, no. So, you so know, like a... Like- he, uh, so, Fajo explains, you know, maybe 10 androids could force the door open. At that point, I really wanted Data to just start trying to put his fist through the wall. Uh, seriously. <laughs> like, really test the limits of this cage that he's been put in. Uh, right. Because just imagine the look on Fajo's face when Data puts a hole in the wall and tears it open and walks out. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been f- beautiful. Or the floor or the ceiling, you know? Yeah. Thinking three-dimensionally instead of just two-dimensionally. Well, you know, f- going ahead here, one thing I'm kind of disappointed by is that Data didn't just destroy the collection. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll make myself be co- more costly for you to keep than to get rid of. Exactly. They, he I put wonder, him in the room. Like, the things are most is, valuable to him. So if this has gone on longer than it did by, you know, whatever means, I wonder if Data would have eventually gotten to that point in trying to resolve this. Like if it's just a matter of he didn't think the situation had escalated to the point of going that far yet. To destroy right. these priceless artifacts. Yeah. Right. Because at least, I mean, because I'm sure Data would recognize that they do have intrinsic value or cultural value, and he wouldn't want to do that. That wouldn't be worth his own freedom. He wouldn't harm culture by doing that. Not until it's necessary. Like, up to to a certain point, Data could probably still think this could still be resolved, you know, (laughs) peacefully, rationally. I could still find a way to kill him in his sleep, you know, something like that. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just saying later on in the episode, it seemed like that would have been a viable strategy. Yeah. yeah. I think Data ultimately decided on the side of life over objects. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, we do get some interesting decision-making from Data later, though, but yeah. I think it's interesting decision-making right now. He decides to try and charge him from behind. Rawr. <laughs> Because Data has a perfectly logical thought process. The door won't respond to me, so I will use his unconscious body to make it respond to him. (laughs) Yes. It's like a hand scanner. You just chop off the hand and use the dead hand to do it. Yes. (laughs) So as he jumps at Fazer from behind, he hits his repulsor field belt and has bounced backwards in a really impressive effect shot, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I had to rewind and watch it several times to try and figure out how they accomplished that. Uh, Wires. Wires, yes, but it's... 
It's a hard wire shot to do, it looks like, because of the angle he flies off at, and yeah. the fact there's a wall right behind him. Now, you have to keep in mind that, you know, for years and years, even before, like, the commonplace, you know, what I will call comparatively minor digital touch-ups on stuff, they've been painting wires out of film, you know, for a long well, time. Well, yeah, it's not about the removal of the wires. It's not where were the wires situated to pull him in that direction? Exactly, uh, right. Because it wall? appears he's flying straight towards the wall. Yeah, and he probably is. I mean, were, they go, were the wires going through the wall? Uh, there could have been a small pulley used. Ben, stop. You know, disguised enough with um, the scenery. Yeah. Yeah, because he flies back like 20 feet. And he doesn't, like, land on, like, pillows. He lands on the ground. So uh-huh. I don't know what the stuntman was doing, but, man, that's a hell of a stunt shot. Yeah? No matter what. That was pretty rad. And I got Fazio just completely unconcerned, too. He doesn't, like, ooh, or anything. He's just like, meh. <laughs> uh, it just happens with all my collections. You just know what the Bing Voss tried to do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And so if I had to get some great dialogue, I wouldn't do that again if I were you. Yeah. <laughs> dialogue. Yeah, this guy just chews scene rounds. I'm there's anything left in this room because he chews it all. Just nar, nar, nar. I'm just amused by how much he's acting like he wants to fuck the shit out of Data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, also, artwork, doesn't it make you horny? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to come up and see my etchings? <laughs> no, literally. Um, so and I love this little uh, pink goblin hat that he wears. <laughs> now, I, I'm just surprised that Data at no point tried to hit him with something. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. That like there's, too, a, yeah. there's a great big snail chair there. Mm-hmm. That That's certainly, you know, he could hit him with that staying outside the reach of the uh, repulsor field. Just throw the chair at him. Yeah, just go WWE on him. <laughs> He's got a chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a baseball card. They take him over to his Muppet hand puppet. <laughs> which mm-hmm. I would have cut that from the episode where I editing. <laughs> yeah. That was the best because thing. It's, it's called practical effects. Look into it. It's called very clearly a hand sticking out of a table. <laughs> Oh, I mean, e- even the little uh, earworm things that Khan had were more convincing as a life form. Yeah, should I put Ankh in there instead. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna have a hand sticking out of a table, you might as well just you know embrace it. <laughs> embrace the hand sticking out of a table. Your dating life is much more interesting than mine. So, Dana trust you're married me. now, Scott. Exactly. That's kind of the main reason, actually. <laughs> that really cuts into your dating. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> so Data tries to reason with Fodge. It's like saying, you know what you're doing is illegal and immoral. Fodge is like, huh, you're right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Yeah, Fajo does have these things like, look, I have no moral ambiguity here. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know that most people consider it wrong, but I don't care because I like what I'm doing and no one can stop me. So whatever. I, I, I do love how he confronts him morally like the Star Trek thing to do. And he just goes, meh, don't care. <laughs> With that type of attitude, he could become president. 
So uh, about this time, uh, Fudge's ugly wife uh, tells him, uh, we got a deal to make. Let's go. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she was an alien or a human. She's an alien, but she's all scarred up and shit from mysterious reasons. She's an alien, but instead of having the typical forehead prosthesis, they put it all on her chin. And her nostrils for some reason. Right. They never really go into detail about what species these jerks are either. Doesn't really seem important, though, does it? Yes, they did. Uh, He's from Zibalia, Zibralia, something like that. Zimbabwe. He he mentions his home planet. Well, he does. Well, the planet he's from is it a species home planet? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, okay. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, meanwhile, back in the Enterprise, Wesley and Doherty are rifling through all of Data's shit to see what kind of good stuff he has. <laughs> Surprisingly <laughs> yeah. little. I mean, just, oh, you know, <laughs> you would have thought Data would have all kinds of stuff, but well, he's working on a very detailed painting of Andorian colonoscopy. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say bullying, but okay. Also, it's like it's like going through someone's office when they get fired. It's like, oh man, he's got a three-hole punch. Mine, <laughs> dibs. He's got a jar full of jelly beans in his desk. That bitch. <laughs> he was hiding it. He never offered it to anybody. Uh, yeah, I should get like a jar full of jelly beans for my desk, but put the birdie bots beans in it. Ugh. So people come, in, come in and get like a mouthful of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse or- orifices to have vomit in, though. Let me tell you. I, I'm totally going to I'm gonna buy a bunch of those dangerous jelly bellies and just fill a glass jar full of them. Just keep your desk at work. Mix yes. A few, mix a few Red Hots in there, too, just for variety. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste the Red Hots, though. I said a few. I'm not saying, like, put a whole package in there. Just, you know. I got some, like, marbles in there. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, put some uh, NyQuil gel caps in there. Yes. <laughs> okay, that, now, now I'm on board. I wasn't really on, on board until that. <laughs> and some cyanide. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> hmm, this one's almond flavored. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cyanide cyanide jokes kills them every time out <laughs> no get Vic uh, Jordy does have the line of why that, Why didn't I see it coming to which everyone has to take a drink and goes cause you're blind <laughs> okay enough of Scott talking um <laughs> Jordy continues to raffle through Data's desk, pulls out his poker cards, his medals, and uh, his trophy of banging Tasha Yar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. First place, too, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like a participation trophy. <laughs> Although I do love that, like, they bring back Tasha Yar in a little hologram form. Sure. Right. They haven't forgotten about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, It's, it's like- a nice touch. It's only been a season. This is third season, right? Yeah. It's only been a season. It's been it, two years, and they've got no contractual obligation to this actress right now. So. And it's, like, close to the end of the third season, so it's closer to two years. Oh, I see. And also, it's completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not really beneficial to the plot in any way. It's just a character moment. Yes. Yeah. Which is good. 
and it's an effect shot of that, which means a character movement that costs money to do. Mm-hmm. And they can just like throw in like a, an eight by ten glossy of her in a frame. <laughs> right. So futuristic. Well, that's you know what Worf had in uh, his first episodes of Deep Space Nine. He just had like photos of Alexander played by some other actor. Yeah, but he's a Klingon <laughs> though. He got. Can- <laughs> He's a Klingon that he got confused by holograms, kept trying to attack them. <laughs> it's like a bird with a mirror. Okay, well, back on Fodge's ship, uh, ugly 80s wife is trying to give Data some pajamas to wear. And Data's like, no. And then he starts doing the psychological, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you're stuck like I am, so maybe we should work together and get out of this mess. He's clearly mistreating you, too. And she's like, no, you don't get it. We'll we'll never escape this cunning genius that he is. Ah, uh, but no, there's, there's great dialogue in here where she asks him point blank, are you programmed to look for weaknesses in your enemies? And Data says, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, that's, they, what is funny to me is they completely underestimate data. It's like, oh, an android. That's cute. It's self-aware. You know, they don't think, wait a minute, it could be smarter and stronger than all of us. I don't think Fajo actually acknowledges data as being self-aware. Mm, he thinks well, it's, think, pro- it's pro- programmed about the illusion of being self-aware. Basically, yeah. Like his the whole introductory dialogue with him basically goes to that point. He's basically Pulaski. Oh, or Maddox from the the one season two episode, mm. or Pulaski from all of season two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's some I mean, there's some good dialogue in this. There's some interesting things, and it's like the Fajo just does a bang up job. So yeah, as- I, I understand why Data doesn't want to, you know, give in and wear that suit of clothes because it's the ugliest piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my my fashion subroutines won't allow me to wear that crap, <laughs> bitch. Please. So, Eddie's wife leaves the room and says, "Just remember, Data, you're stuck in here with him." And Data responds, "No, he's stuck in here with me." <laughs> yeah. And got her oh. belt. It's just out of control. <laughs> They do like the the poofy thighs on their on their pants though. That's like a thing of their that's like their racial thing. Looks like they're colonials. Yeah. Boy, Jordy when he when Jordy gets obsessed by something, he gets really obsessed. Yeah, he gets tunnel vision. And he gets <laughs> I like by this point in the episode that it's become clear that nobody's giving a shit about being sad or throwing a funeral for data. It's like, all right, data's dead, let's move along. Yeah, we we got to get this stuff out of that those quarters immediately because somebody wants to move in immediately. So like within the next twelve hours, I want that stuff cleaned out. Yeah, this it's is like, what we yeah. have cargo base for, people. Cargo bay four, or you know, replicator. Just chuck all that shit in a replicator. <laughs> cargo bay four is the torpedo tube. <laughs> <laughs> Three load and unload bodies. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, we have plenty of incidents of bodies being inside uh, torpedo casings. Even one instance where someone was delivered that way instead of, you know, ejected. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh. I, I like how P- Picard does the, I'm your stern boss. Now get out of my sight. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. 
I'm actually soft and gentle and understanding and empathetic. <laughs> is it is like Janeway. A, yeah, he changes character like in two seconds. Get out of my sight. Jordy's complaining that um, Data wouldn't have made a mistake. He wouldn't have blown up. This is stupid. Right. Like, my friend can't be dead. That's great, but you still have a job to do. Go take a nap. I don't want you cranky tomorrow. Uh, that's not even an exaggeration. Nope. So, all right, Jordy's gone, Riker. Now, next word of business. Let's replace data. Who do you suggest? Yes, who would be a good, who would be the best person in the staff to take on data's largely scientific and semi-administrative role? Yes, who would be the best person to manage the oxygen filtration system? And be a part-time science officer. Worf. My choice, too. Yeah, I gotta go with Worf on that. You know, maybe they should have considered Wesley again. <laughs> yeah, really, Wesley should have been an ops and not a pilot? Yeah. Maybe they thought it would be pushing it a little bit too much to, you know, have, have, the, two ops non-com- officers. have the non-commissioned uh, child be... Uh, you know, more than the senior flight handler, because even that seems like it's pushing it. Well, really, the pilot is largely automated anyway. You just press the, the Google Maps button and say go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Computer does the thinking. They really should have Drew Barkley taken over ops. That would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that have been great. You know, damage report. Well, I, I, um, the, well, the, the shields are, um, uh, you know how you know how shields sometimes they um yeah the shields are down. <laughs> now I am just Barkley. like incensed that we never got Barkley as a bridge officer for an episode. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> I would have no idea how angry I am right now at that realization. What we could have had and never will. Uh, that's true. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> it's well, you know, you know what you did to not deserve this. No, I was six. Yeah, you know what you did when you were six. Okay, so back in Faja's ship, it's time for another cunning duel of wits between Data and Faja. 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 So Faja's like, you wouldn't download a car, would you? (laughs) And Data's like, "Uh, I would. What is a car? Yeah. The device used in 20th century teenage mating rituals. Well, you wouldn't murder anybody, would you, ever? Like, would yeah. there be any reason you would possibly kill someone? Right. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he does, like, make the point. That he, I think he's, like, alluding to Asimov's three laws, which is robots aren't, robots aren't allowed to kill humans or humanoids. Uh, well, he, and Data goes, would... Data goes, no, I could totally kill a bitch. <laughs> What I mean, they're doing I, is they're totally alluding to the end of the episode. Or data well, responds, I would kill someone for the uh, in order to defend myself. In right. the case of defense, I would totally kill someone. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, Which it's will all be, just a lot of dialogue to establish the fact that Data has not killed anyone yet directly, I guess, because he's probably, you know, been involved in indirect deaths because who isn't? But if there's a logical reason for it, he totally will. Yes, his programming oh, yeah. definitely allows for him to take a life if he deems for it self necessary. Pre- for preservation of others, 
or of self and others. Yeah, yeah. It, it's vaguely worded enough that it applies to himself or to other people. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I don't think Data realizes that yet. No, probably not. Yeah. But they kind of just go over the thing of the clothes again. And also, <laughs> hey, there's a really nice chair over there. Just sit, I do love how exasperated he gets. It's like, why don't you just do what I say? You're not in Starfleet anymore. Just I'll be your best friend. He gets all whiny and pushy about it. That's where he starts acting like a <laughs> like a guy, like a, like a friend zoned guy. Now I am. There is one thing that this episode that I am just very disappointed did not happen, which is Data. Sitting down in the chair, but after like turning it on its side or something, <laughs> just to be a jerk. Yes, I'm sitting on the chair. <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, given how much of a passive aggressive, a rightfully passive aggressive uh, asshole Data is at times in this episode, I am just disappointed that he at no point sat on the chair in a way that Varjo would not approve of. Like if he swung his leg over the back of it? <laughs> or if yes. he turned it around backward, you know, you know, rested his arms on the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or it's just sitting in it, but leading, but like leading it with the back on the back two legs. <laughs> You're going to ruin it. Yeah. They just moves the chair in the middle of the room and sits in the on the pedestal <laughs> where the chair was. If he sits, if he, if he's or Data, Data puts it on top of the snail chair and then sits down. <laughs> what, if, what if he's just like like just right next to the door? So when the door opens, he's like right there. <laughs> I mean, not to try to escape, but just to miss with Fajo. He comes in, he's like standing right there, and he's like, "Oh, jeez, dude, this is like like a Looney Tunes episode of Bugs messing with Elmer, <laughs> pretty much." <laughs> Uh, so um Fajak has a pretty cunning plan to get data out of his uniform I'm gonna throw acid on you (laughs) and then you'll be nude deliciously nude Yeah, he, he draws it out like it's this big production he does, and he just kind of tosses it no, out. Would you expect anything other than a big production from this guy oh no that's what's so funny about it this guy just plays it up plays his character up so well Answering the phone, long drawn out dramatic uh, thing of going to of walking over to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so basically, gives the the option of showing off his glorious android dong, <laughs> or wearing this underwear made of wool. Well, <laughs> he is fully functional. Well, and how else would he He's have got, got a trophy to prove it? So, uh, Jordy wakes up in the dark. Uh, he assumes. Like he always does. <laughs> and he, he's had a nighttime epiphany. So he cleans it up and then realizes that, you know, he overlooked something. Something incredibly minor and stupid that Jordy would never even notice. Because no human being would notice it. Only Data would notice this. If Jordy. only he was still with us. Jordy would notice. What else is he thinking about? They have Brahms. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, man. I, you know, is it, is it possible to feel sorry for a fictional character? Because <laughs> uh, if well, I ever do, I'll let you guys know. Uh, Giordi. <laughs> yes. Jeez, if we should start feeling sorry for a fictional character, I'll start feel, feeling sorry for Worf. Uh, yeah, because now he has to yeah. talk to Troy. Well, well, first of all, he's talking to Troy. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk about how his makeup is not applied correctly in this turbo lift. His forehead looks like he's wearing a hat. Uh, actually, it's not the makeup that's applied wrong. They could not light him correctly in that space. So I've I, like, I been like, reading some of the, um, like, not even just, like, you know, specific episode background information, but, like, overall production stuff. And one of the things they figured out they had to do with Worf, and I guess probably other Klingons too, but Worf, uh, you know, is a more common case. They have to be able to specifically light him from below. Otherwise, uh, it like the Klingon forehead makeup just casts huge shadows into his eyes. Mm-hmm. It's and, not the yeah. eyes; it's in the side of the eyes, on the, the below the temples. Yeah, but I mean, anything where it's overhanging the face, you know, it's going to do the same thing if they don't light him correctly. And I don't think they could do that in the turbo lift. Interesting, but that's not the worst thing going on in this scene. Well, no, nope. he's talking to Troy. And yeah. Troy is counseling. Oh, like, so, Worf, how do you feel yeah. now that someone else has died and you've been given another promotion that you didn't deserve? It's not even a promotion. <laughs> he's still a lieutenant. They just moved his desk. Yeah, so he got more responsibility but didn't get a raise. He got a chair, though. Klingons don't use chairs. <laughs> so it's sort of an insult to be given a chair. Exactly. So Troy's like, you sure you're cool with this? I mean, Yara died and you got her job and Data died when you got his job. And she, I mean, she goes, if, well, hope I don't die because you'll get my job. <laughs> I'm Worf. I'm your new counselor. <laughs> How do you feel? Worf's response is basically, this happens all the time to Klingons. This is yeah. normal. Yes, but uh, you're yeah, barely we- a Klingon, Worf. that's almost what she says to it she's like this is not a Klingon ship and you're no Klingon (laughs) (laughs) I don't even really consider you a man honestly and as they get off the turbo lift she just kind of smirks and walks over to her chair I told him "Mm -hmm." (laughs) she has her own methods of torturing Worf (laughs) oh my god Oh, I, I'm seeing this scene in a whole different light now. Thanks, I think. Sheesh. Also, like, as they get the turbo lift, it's revealed that they're using the front turbo lift, not the rear one for once. Hmm. Yeah, I think they, they do something like that later in this uh, episode, too, where, like, Riker walks to the front turbo lift. Very confusing. They do that sometimes. I think it depends yeah. where in the ship they're going. Yeah, I guess so. Because one, well, one's a slide, basically. It's just a spiral slide going down to a particular place. <laughs> oh, no, that's the one on the uh, the opposite uh, side of the bridge. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, that would – that the one that goes directly to the uh, – uh, Battle Bridge. Battle Bridge, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to have that one – to have that as a thing that exists, so. One thing that's kind of fun is that some of the hospitals in town – they got giant elevators. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, of course they do. Yeah, but like they're like the the size of my dining room. 
Yeah. And so when you're, like, I mean, you're the only I mean, person in them, you're like this giant moving room. <laughs> okay, I mean, I understand your comparison, but I've seen your dining room, and no one would ever call that a giant room. That's a giant for an elevator. Yeah, but I mean, it's still like the size of your dining room, which is like only the size of a large elevator. That's exactly what I just said. <laughs> right, but you're saying it with a completely different meaning than what, how, oh how I'm God. saying it, which is the correct way of saying it. <laughs> I'm saying a normal elevator is the size of like a, you know, a large closet. Uh, can you guys hold on a second? I'm going to go ahead and call Russ. <laughs> <laughs> and simply, I mean, you open up that little door inside the elevator, and that's where the trigger magnum sound is at. Right. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Right. And then you uh, ride the elevator to the basement chamber. to the power chamber. <laughs> okay, so Jordy has called a special meeting with Wesley to discuss his amazing new discoveries found about data. Because Wesley's the only person who would return his call. <laughs> yeah. It's like, He's well, the only one I mean, didn't have the authority to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, like, Worf is equal now. Well, George, yeah, well, Wesley's like, well, I can't right now. I'm on a date. And Jordy just kind of looks at him. Or, okay, is fine. he equal or superior now? Well, that's true. Like, okay, so Worf has become operations officer. I presume he has not also become second in com- or third in command of the ship. He's not second officer like Data was. He's just taking Data's seat. But now, but I'm talking about just the operations officer in general. Who does. Who do all the uh, gold shirts answer to? It probably depends what department they work for. Yeah. Like, you know, I think data well, I think engineering would ultimately fall under ops control, wouldn't it? Uh, I think so. I think probably like I think Jordy and Data were probably both at the heads of their particular division lines. So like, you know, everybody under engineering answers to Jordy, Jordy answers to Riker. So I think that Jordy would answer to Data as well. Like Data's says, okay, I need to supply power to this grid and take over this power. He would call down to Jordy and tell Jordy what to do. Yeah, I mean, in a sense like that, yeah, but I mean, in terms of, like, sequence of command, like, I don't think Data always has the authority to give Jordy an order regardless of the circumstances. Like, just in cases where it pertains to the operations of the ship. Okay. Anyway, so... What Jordy's discovered is that uh, Data did not say, I'm clearing the shuttle bay now at his third transmission. So he just said, ready to go, everything's fine. But yeah, he didn't give the very important detail of, I'm actually on the shuttle coming to you now. Yes, and that's important because the previous two times he said that sequence exactly the same in both cases. Yep, because that's protocol, and Data would never mess up protocol. Oh, my God, I love the word protocol. Let's use the word protocol about 17,000 times in this goddamn protocol scene. We have protocols protocol, for this, Scott. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not a call. It happens before the call. It's just a protocol. It's the call to see if you actually want to call somebody. The protocol is the test call. Uh, the call before the call is actually just a pre-call. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a beta call. <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beta call. <clears throat> anyway. All right, so moving on. <laughs> anyway, so the conclusion is that something's wrong with Data. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, that, that's kind of a problem, usually. <laughs> Except for Spock. 
George's like, I sure wish I could talk to the last people that saw him alive. Too bad we we don't you will never see them again. <laughs> all right, so back on Fodge's ship, Data is busy wasting all his bubblegum smell. <laughs> yeah, he opens it just to piss him off. So now he's being that like aggressive aggressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh Faja, Mrs. Faja, and their drunken orgy partner stumble into the scene. <laughs> Mrs. Faja. Faja is so pleased. He can't wait to show off Data. Oh, my God. He is about to piss himself. So, okay, this guy with the, the metal thing, is it going into one of his face holes? Yes. Yes. One of his three okay. nostrils. Because that's really, really bugging me, man. Uh-huh. Real question is, where does it go behind his head? Does it wrap around? Does it go through? I, I'm i thinking that he's like a serious punk rocker where he's got a hole through his nose. Yeah, looking at his makeup, it, it looks like a thing to apply. He's got nostrils on his chin and forehead as well, but the makeup just looks kind of shitty and doesn't convey that. Yeah. Right. But Which is kind of interesting to have an alien with lots of noses. I'm going to smell you on. <laughs> Intro quote. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you should know better than to say things on this podcast. That's More true. Scott intro quotes that I don't need. Yeah, seriously. Nobody needs. Yes, yeah, so I only have like eight hundred intro quotes from you. Just start just start sneaking some JD ones in there once in a while. Yeah, I still got about a gig of those I never use. <laughs> You should look at just a special report of like just intro quotes. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be our highest rated episode ever. Yeah. It's that one episode of Star Trek with Scott. <laughs> and Scott. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> and Scott. <laughs> and then just Drunk Lord. I don't know. Uh, is this Drunk Lord Talk of our highest rated? Uh, Certainly get the most feedback things. over that. <laughs> Where is the feedback? Doesn't mean it was good. Where do you? Where can one see the feedback? Uh, on a waveform display. Ah. Uh. Uh huh. Like an oscilloscope. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now I do like this scene because uh, this, apparently this alien species kryptonite is cocaine. Uh, but I love what Data does to fuck with everybody. Yes. Yeah. So Data pretends that he's not alive. He just stands there like a mannequin. So like. <laughs> the other guy, the other alien, is just like, "Oh, well, this is stupid." It's like, I, like I, I swear to fucking god, if you do not start acting up, I am going to call your father. Oh, <laughs> uh, so funny! And then just gets pushed over and just falls over <clears throat> like a mannequin. Yes, brilliant. But, I mean, it is the perfect way to fuck with father. This was real. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. In other yeah. words, yes, the perfect way to fuck with Faja is to make someone bored with all his stuff. <clears throat> yes. Because mm-hmm. that's all Faja wants. He likes the, the novelty to be able to impress people with his stuff, so he makes himself unimpressive. It's just brilliant. Oh, I love what, when they're walking into the room, the nose alien is like, I've got some sex idol. Do you have one? Oh, I've got four. <laughs> with the pearls. <laughs> right. No, the Frankie added the pearls later. And my father's like, ew, gross. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> that, that was a bit on the nose. <laughs> no, that's on time, my neck. Scott, time out. <laughs> God damn it. 
good stuff. Oh, so now we come to another embarrassing scene where Picard is just ugh, cringeworthy. He calls Wharf Data. Mm. And you said the entire crew just sort of bite their lip and Wharf just stares silently at the vid screen. <laughs> One Klingon tear rolls down his cheek. <laughs> you have to assume Picard does that all the time when Data's not on shift. <laughs> Every, it's, he's just... <laughs> just calls everybody Data. Uh-huh. All these damn gold shirts look alike to me. Pretty much. They're all expendable because they're the new red shirts. They're in security. Okay, so they're <laughs> arriving at their emergency destination of some planet where they're going to drop off the space nitroglycerin to uh, fix <clears throat> the planet's water. Water. Yeah. Water. Yes. Um, so, so the, the planet's sh- water supply got contaminated with some cyanoacrylate, and they need to shoot down this whatever it so is. So they need to blow up the cyanide. Yeah. Oh, okay, so this dangerous material that to carry very carefully and store in the shuttlecraft and carefully fly it. They fire the fucking torpedo launcher at the planet. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Planet's healed. Well, it's a healing torpedo. I mean, you know. It's like a I have, to, I have to assume, like, you know, flying there, they didn't have a concrete plan of how they were going to deliver this. And as soon as Worf got put in charge of Data's job, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. so how do we introduce this, this into problem. the water table? Right. And Worf just draws upon the only experience that he has, proton torpedo. <laughs> or a photon one. Uh, his first recommendation was to raise shields, which they ignored. <laughs> so we're approaching the planet. Shall I raise shields? N- no. Well, they are going to be firing nitro at it, so. <laughs> right. Sir, the, the planet could blow up after we shoot it. <laughs> shoot it? What are you talking about, Worf? <laughs> uh, uh, well, we're, we're, uh, we'll get into that. Well, we, we can't take it down in the shuttle. It blew up. <laughs> Right, and we only have the one tiny one. <laughs> Dumb. Okay, so Worf makes himself useful and says, there's some weird gobbledygook readings down there in this shithole. Let's go investigate. Yeah, and see, Riker this says, I'll bring pressure because she hasn't been in this episode yet. <laughs> well, okay, this was weird to me because it's like, okay, so Data is a living computer. He's fantastic at science, all this kind of stuff, and analyzing life forms. He really fucking loves that. So Worf's job is to sit there and analyze this stuff, and he goes, I, I don't know. There's, like, stuff on the screen. I mean, he's, like, well, he's clearly kidding. incompetent at doing his job and nowhere near as good at it as Data is. He's like, I, I don't know what all this stuff is here. And that's kind of what we were getting at earlier. It's like, I understand – the theme of the episode kind of requires Worf to be put in Data's role just to kind of have, like, some B-plot tension a little bit. But, like, there's no justifiable reason to put Worf in that job. No. Worf should not be scanning life forms or making scientific leaps based on sensor readings. Yeah. Worf is not a science officer. No. He is it's, not it's that. nothing to do with Worf. That's just not the path he chose for himself. Right. Sure. Well, yeah. Wait, wait to not be racist, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure if Worf had wanted to be a scientist, he could have done that very well. But oh, not I'm, sure he, I'm sure he could have. Some of my best friends are Klingons. Racist. Scott, what did you have for breakfast this morning? 
<laughs> what now? I can't be racist to Klingons? What the hell? It's good enough for Kirk. <laughs> uh, Kirk tried to make the Federation great again. Anyway. So I like I like Fajo's like return to data. Like he's like so exasperated. He's like a parent and doesn't know how to reach his child. Well, there's only one thing for that then. Murder. <laughs> yes. So Faja pulls out his special super <clears throat> secret death phaser. Oh, just, Christ, just, just, it, wait, just, it's a deadly weapon? It's not just a phaser that kills you. It's a phaser that kills you in slow motion. And it hurts the whole time. Which that sounds horrifying, actually. Yeah. To slowly disintegrate and feel all of it. Right. I like how he, he's got to put in the code to the safe and he just like puts his hand over it. Data is Don't like, look at my pen. Yeah, basically. But the thing is, like, Data couldn't like figure out what the numbers are or just type through them all very quickly. I mean, we've seen him put in keys and numbers and codes like thousands a second or whatever. Well, if you tap the wrong password three times, it locks you out and you got to activate two factor authentication. And oh, God damn it. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> right. And it goes to his little belt thing that he's wearing. And yeah, no, okay. You know, <clears throat> you know the, um, the door of the room is reinforced. But I have to think that a little safe in the wall probably isn't to the same degree. And Data probably could have just torn the side off of that. Probably. And probably just didn't think of it. Of course, Data doesn't need to, can just, could probably make, tell what he's pointing at just by seeing enough of what he's, what the motions he's doing are. Or just listening to the pattern of the sounds, because it's not like all those pads are making the same tone. You know, how awesome would it be if, like, Data had a phaser installed in his fingertip? (laughs) (laughs) No, phasers in his eyes. I like fingertip because he's like Inspector Gadget. What if they're, like, all five fingertips? Is he, like, like, phaser force lightning out of his hands? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be fantastically dumb. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it's in one of the comic, TNG comics or something. Well, then get in touch with IDW. Yeah. I think that Data's eyes should just be like headlights. Ah. Yeah, they should give off light. (laughs) Like C-3PO or something. Okay, so he's going to kill, like, Faja's wife. Faja's going to kill his (coughs) wife or something. And then he's like, Faja. I'll be a Faja. And he's like, I'll totally kill her. her, um, Her name's Valium, I think. Valium? Yeah. It's, it's Lady Faja. She and Faja are in a bad romance. Oh, God. I don't... Unless he did already poke her face, though. <laughs> all the scars. Anyway. Uh, yeah. We're witty, so, this podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's so, like Oscar Wilde up in this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's our problem. We're too witty. So Data sits in the chair because he doesn't want What's-Her-Face to be killed. When In fact, he just knows that he needs her to escape, so he doesn't really give a shit about her. <laughs> He's like, oh, crap, that's my primary asset of getting out of here, so I better sit down so I don't lose that asset of, of escape. Well, I mean, he knows he's not getting anywhere with Fajo, and that's the only other person on the ship he's been able to talk to, so. Exactly. And that's my other thing. like, where, where is everybody else in this ship? Flying it. I mean, Trying not to get killed by Fajo. <laughs> right. 
Oh, well. I mean, it's not a big ship. It, didn't they? Don't they say at some point in the episode where it has max warp three? Something like that. Yeah, it's a small ship. There's probably not much crew. It's a space Winnebago. Mm. <laughs> I don't think they have a mog. I think this is what Worf is. I am my own best friend. I wonder if you could build a mog in Star Trek Online. Uh, probably. Anyway, before we get down that rabbit hole, uh, so back on uh, Cave Planet Water Matron, what the fuck it's called? <laughs> Soundstage Two. They're down there investigating the weird anomalies or whatever, and they can't figure it out unless bullshit long story short um, they realize this environmental disaster was man-made just by looking at the crystals at the uh, styrofoam falls well Crusher does make herself useful she's like look if you're going to poison a water table there's a lot cheaper easier more effective ways to do it than use this completely contrived way that's easily solvable I mean well it's not so easily solvable because there's only, only one way to treat it Right, which is interesting that they happened to run to a trader <laughs> that had the antidote to this exact problem that was nearby. And had hmm. just about enough of the stuff to do it with, too. Yeah, the, the exact amount. That's very suspicious. Nah, it's just a coincidence. You guys are just reading way too much into it. And Moving see, on. the only reason anybody's taking this seriously now is because Jordy's not the one suggesting it. <laughs> right, it's Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jordy is definitely that guy that goes, hey, guys, let's go to here to eat. And everyone just kind of ignores him. And then the other person says, hey, guys, want to go here to eat? And they go, everyone goes, yay, let's go there. God damn it. <laughs> so they hold a little meeting and said, okay, well, let's – this guy sounds kind of suspicious. Let's investigate him. Computer, what do you know about Faja? <clears throat> um, He's he a collects crook. rare and unusual items, one-of-a-kind things. That you know, then it starts list. It starts listing his inventory because apparently he just like publishes his ownings. Right. Well, why that's, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's on Space Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it lists, you know, he's got the Mona Lisa. He's got you know the crown jewels. He's got right. uh, Commander Data. <laughs> <laughs> So, which raises the question of, okay, they're doing business with this trader in the middle of deep space who just happens to have this thing they need, and they don't go, just let me, the security officer or the ops operations officer or anybody just goes, well, let's get some information on who we're dealing with here. Uh, Warp wanted to, but they shot him down. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, shall I? I like how we are all going to the same joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's just sitting there. It's just the same joke Next Generation goes to every week. Yeah. It's just as prominent as a forehead ridge. <laughs> so, the crew warps off at Warp Factor 8 to go try and hunt him down where they last saw him at, because his ship is slow and it couldn't have gotten far. I think they right? say, like, in the time lapse, a radius of one light year, give or take. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Like he wasn't on the run. <clears throat> Even if he's on the run, he can only do Warp 3. Yeah, apparently so he just thinks he's getting away with it. He thinks his plan is so airtight that they'll never come looking for data again. Well, plus it also he has to stop so we can show off his new st- all his stuff to everyone. That's right. No, that's right because he's got to get nostril alien on here. <laughs> Mucinex 7. 
I'm snuff the alien you're looking for. <laughs> no, but I mean, he is fairly overconfident because, like, one of the, the methods they use to track him down faster is to put out a bolt into Federation outposts. And one of the places he stopped, I think, where he met his nose friend was a Federation planet. So you can you can pick your nose and you can pick your friends. Well, that <laughs> alien species, you can pick your friend's nose. <laughs> Just don't stop me. (laughs) If we could, we would. (laughs) Oh, make it stop. Okay, so back on Fajo's ship, uh, Mrs. Fajo has come to bust out (laughs) Data, and she's stealing the the hidden Dethoma phaser from the wall safe. Yeah, the. Is it a Verdron phaser disruptor or something? Whatever. Because basically she's been around Fajo long enough to know that he <clears throat> uses the same password for everything. Yep. Right. Now, I, I would like to point out that uh, Brent Spiner looking fantastic in that skin-tight uniform. Dude, dude was in shape. Yes, it was. Well, he's also like 70 years old now, but back then, well, man, he you know. Uh, so is Dr. Crusher, Gates McFadden, yeah. and she's looking pretty tight. Oh my god, did you have to use that adjective? <laughs> yes, comparatively. Yeah, <laughs> she's held up pretty damn well. Well, yeah. She's and I'm, look at how the Ricardo Montalban was in uh, Star Trek Two. That was a oh, fake. Well, Kelly was in Spy Kids 3. Uh, <laughs> look how he was in Freakazoid. <laughs> anyway, so she takes uh, the, the phaser that's been set to war crimes and they follow <laughs> on off to the, the escape bay the, the, with the escape shuttle thing with words and coherency. The bay. Yes, the shuttle bay. Thank you. <laughs> the escape bay, yes. Because <laughs> they're going to escape. It was the, the electronic bay. bay, otherwise known yeah. as the eBay. Quiet, you. <laughs> so, Data uh, hops in the shuttle to prepare to fly it and starts setting up uh, evasive maneuvers. Where Mrs. Mom goes over and tries to release the doors or some bullshit. Problem is, as soon as they start doing anything, it's going to set off every alarm on the ship, so they better move fast. And. She presses one button and the alarm goes off. Right. She goes, control, alt, delete. Oh, that didn't work. Format C. Yeah. And then the Fajo's two sex slaves immediately run into the room. What makes you and, s- Oh, yeah, I guess they are, aren't they? And they basically get their asses handed to them by data. Like it's uh, not yeah. even a fight. Well, no. So did they ever make a point that that, that weapon can actually even harm data? They never said that it couldn't. That's true. Boy, yeah, Data just manhandles these guys. Yeah. I think one of them kind of likes it, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, look at him. He's like, ooh. <laughs> Harder, Daddy. I, I want to see Jason uh, versus Data. Oh, that'd be awesome. Of them just throwing each other across the room back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to frame it so that they're never on screen with each other at the same time. It's just like (laughs) one gets thrown across the screen, 
<laughs> then gets up and runs back across and throws the other one across, and you just have to keep like doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, so, runs another, so you're pretty much going to be making a uh, season two zoo two Zord battle out of it. Yes. Yes. So Fajo runs in the room, and uh, Mrs. Fajo has dropped her phaser. Oops. Disruptor. It doesn't matter, Scott. Don't be pedantic. <laughs> her space laser. <laughs> right. She drops her lightsaber. And, <laughs> and, and they the left most- it on the floor for so long. And Why didn't either of them pick it up? Yeah, she makes the most feeble dive for it. Yeah, that's the most pathetically just like... Uh, uh, oh, I've fallen. I'm a girl. Yeah, it's, like, it's like when girls get trapped in a room, they like pat down the door. Let me out. Pat, pat, pat. Well, she's bad at sports and she messed up the math on the geometry to dive towards it. So, Oh, geez. But she's good at hair. I mean, it's full of body and bounce. It's a wig. Mm-hmm. It's only a model. No, it was the 80s. It could have been her natural hair. That's True. that's just as much her natural hair as Dr. Crusher's hair is her natural hair. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so after that terrible acting she does of diving to the ground pathetically. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, thank you, Scott. She gets up uh, just long enough to pout for Faja to shoot her right in the tits. <laughs> well, like Faja, he does the – he's going to shoot her and then he starts thinking about it like he's not going to. He starts acting like he's having second thoughts and he just blasts her. And she painfully slowly disintegrates. He takes the phaser or the disruptor and like tosses it away and he and sees that and goes, oh, shit. Uh, this is your fault. You, you, you made me do this. Uh, she made me do it. And then Data steps out like – I'm about to rip your arms off. <laughs> I get the impression he didn't realize that Data was even in there. I thought he thought Data was still back in the, the collection room. I think you're probably right. So when Data steps out, that's why he like tosses away the gun to look. You know, no, he throws the disruptor away first. Like I think he's supposed to be shocked by actually having killed her. Right. Yeah. And then Data exits after. I don't think he'd seen Data to that point. No, I don't think. Yeah, like, I think, I think right. you're right. I have held on to that. And then he tries to play to Data's morals. How does that work out? <laughs> well, thankfully, Data's had some, you know, training on this earlier in the episode of how can I kill this motherfucker? Yeah. How can I rationalize this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and issue <laughs> excuse routines. I thought Fajr just gives him all the ammunition that he needs. To come to the conclusion. Okay, look, you're right. going to go back to your room and sit in your chair and be a good robot, or I'm going to murder somebody else like that guy. No, just, oh, just go back to my bedroom. I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put on the diaper. <laughs> and then I'll kill another person. Another one, and I'll keep on killing people to keep you in my special room. Right. And you can't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah, what could you possibly do? What could because you do? Because death is first- wrong. Right, Data? Right. Right. There's no such thing as a greater good, huh? 
And then he starts doing the, what are you going to do? And like spreads his legs, starts gesturing to his exposed testicles. <laughs> what are you going to do? What could you possibly do with your gigantic robot boots? <laughs> what could you do? I, I just don't get it. And they're like testicles swinging there, just like a punching bag. <laughs> How could you solve this problem? <laughs> So, and then he even says, "Well, you can't feel any emotions, so this is just an intellectual puzzle for you. Simple math, right?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because Fajo isn't even very good at math either, so I don't know why he thought he was going to win. <laughs> So Data ultimately decides, hmm, yeah, this guy needs to die for the greater good of everyone. So I'm just going to take care of this right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't think about it for a second, and then he kind of shrugs and points it right to his chest. He was going to kill him with this painful disruptor. He wouldn't walk over and, like, you know, just snap his neck, killing it instantly. No, he would use the gun to do it. Well, no, he can't snap his neck because of the, the inhibitor field. Oh, you're right. That's right. And see, they they make a point in setting up the scene prior where the two guys who come in do not have ranged weapons. One of them is carrying like a pipe or something. Mm -hmm. It's a dildo, I think. Um, Yeah, probably. But like the whole thing is carefully set up so there is no other weapon Data can use to resolve this except for that disruptor. Yeah, And because this is a special crazy disruptor, there's no stun setting on this bitch. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's, 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 it's either off or in war crime. Yes. <laughs> Set phasers to war crime. <laughs> Brilliant. So Data beams up, and as Data's beaming, O'Brien mentions to Riker, uh, uh, seems like Data's gun is going off, so maybe duck when he materializes? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, get the console. You know, O'Brien pushes some buttons, like, okay, I deactivate I like to think that just, like, there's a way to move Data's thumb off the trigger while he's, you know, in transport. Right. So Data materialized, and Riker's like, so, you're pulling the trigger on something, huh? What's that about? <laughs> And it's like, like, nope. Nope. Well, it's just mis- just must have been a misfire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Something must have happened during the transport. Yeah, Data yeah. does not deny that he fires the weapon. He just suggests a possible alternative <clears throat> solution for why it's firing. Well, yeah, he's kind of like, well, it's too bad you don't have anybody who knows how to read sensors in this ship since I've been gone, huh? Data basically gives a Spock lie. Yeah. Yes. Lie by omission. He presents a truth that is possible, just not the one that applies to the situation. For sure. Uh. So I like how the episode could have ended with the ambiguity of, did Dana really just try and murder this guy? Yeah, see, <laughs> that no, seemed it, like... it goes on for Dana to gloat. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because, I mean, because Riker looks at O'Brien and looks at Dana and is like, Riker clearly knows he's full of shit. Riker knows that something just happened. And I figured that was the end of the episode. He'd walk off scene and then the credits would roll. I thought that would have been a, a nice, tidy ending. But because he does mention, oh, we're going to, you know, he's in custody. Just beam him over. We have him. So that was already tied up. But yeah, it continues. You get, a, get, get an epilogue. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they put Fajo along with his goblin hat. 
<laughs> that would be break. cool to take it. Another missed thing. He is not sitting in the chair. Oh. <laughs> well, not immediately. No, I mean, they didn't have, they don't have the chair in the cell. Oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> well, no, they, they confiscated the chair. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the chair was like some rare thing that was worthwhile. <laughs> Like, this is this is the chair that like somebody sat on. They thought of some idea. That'd been funny. Wouldn't it have been a toilet then? <laughs> no, it was not the throne where people you know surf the web on their cell phones. Okay, so Fajo and Data are talking, and Fajo's like, "Yes, well, this is great. I'll be out here in a day. Back to my old tricks. Ha ha ha." Yeah. Then it's like, no. We took all your shit and gave it away to the poor. <laughs> and we all gave it back to their rightful owners. Some of it we just burned. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that we let Troy drive your ship. She put a scratch on the side of it. <laughs> yeah, the front fender's just totally fucked now. <laughs> and your hand muppet ate the baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> and choked on it and died. Oh and then we made meatloaf out of it. Note, note to self, don't mess with Fort Max. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you're still relatively new, Scott. We learned that lesson a long time ago. My God. So, <laughs> so Facho breaks down to tears and says, you're enjoying this, aren't you? And no. he's like, no. no not. I, I am not. I, I, I am. I cannot feel pleasure. <laughs> I am just an android. Who owned your bitch ass? <laughs> There's a little song and dance, tap dance out of the room. Chaka, chaka, chaka. Bullshit. Because it's like the ultimate fuck you to Fazio. Data didn't do any of this. Just uh, like He didn't do any of this to get like satisfaction or retribution. He just did it because. Yeah. Yeah, which is the antithesis to Fazio, who does everything purely for hedonistic well, reasons. Well, and like... Fajo to the last was never able to elicit a reaction from Data because Data can't be made to do that. Right, right. And, this and that's why Fajo. Well, yeah. And that's why Fajo manipulates people. He manipulates them by emotion and fear and, and desire and all that kind of stuff. So he couldn't do that with Data. So basically, this whole episode was Data is better than everybody. <laughs> that's it's most episodes, though. Uh, that's true. It would be interesting to approach this episode from the other perspective where we don't know data. If we were – said that your first exposure was with Fajo and just data shows up. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot creepier to have this emotionless human being there coldly reacting to all this stuff and re- the way data did. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be kind of horrifying I mean- if you don't know data. <clears throat> true. But keep in mind that you could replace data with any Vulcan – and this would have played out exactly the same. It would have, because they're both emotionless, they're both stronger than humans, both logical. No. Um, because the Vulcan wouldn't have fought back. Uh, I disagree. Vulcans aren't pacifists. No, they're just, if they are, they're irritating. <laughs> Star Trek has specifically called Vulcans pacifists. Yeah, well, I don't think all Vulcans true, are. Yes. Vulcans I mean, Vulcan institutionally ships. are pacifists. Well, yeah, but Vulcans there, there, still have yes, like there are on their irregular ships. Vulcans, like the ones that join the Maquis. Oh, ones that have and like one ear that's pointier than the other. The ones that don't get enough Metamucil. 
Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, Vulcans, I mean, they still can defend themselves. I mean, Data is a pacifist too. It's not like he's a violent entity. I just think that Vulcans are shitty enough that they just sit there and take it and gripe. <laughs> well, especially ones from like Enterprise. I think after like a couple hundred years with humans, they've loosened up a little bit. Enterprise Vulcans are the purest Vulcans. You're not wrong, but it also means they're the biggest jerks. That's the best. Enterprise Vulcans are the purest Vulcans. Yes, that's the best lesson <laughs> Enterprise taught us, which is that Vulcans are secretly the biggest jerks around, and we just never got to see it before. That, that's all true. That's that's exactly the takeaway. <laughs> This is uh, this a, is why in the 24th century Vulcan crews have their own exclusive ships in Starfleet. Y'all go be assholes together. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think like when a Vulcan crew gets assigned a Federation starship, they just like go out and start customizing it and put like you know points on the nacelles? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you get rid of the warp nacelles and put the big ring around the ship. I paint everything beige. Oh, points on the nacelles isn't that uh, just the. Uh, first pilot enterprise yeah not yeah. I mean but like you know upright points so it looks like ears. oh right i knew where he was going <laughs> now i'm imagining an enterprise with cat ears oh god which enterprise though oh, the ah yeah it's got basically the right shape just That's like replace the saucer's impulse engines with cat ears so speaking of like Star Trek, so they've started filming uh, Discovery. Yay! Finally, yeah. They well, had this a supposed clip. to premiere next month originally. It was, but that was a grossly optimistic. Time. I guess, evidently. Yeah. So, so they've got they, a glimpse of the uniform. Yeah, yeah. L cars, that new ship on the screen, which looks way too advanced and high tech for that era. Ah, so it's Enterprise again. Actually, it looks oh. closer to the Enterprise style. I guess it looks to uh, to me it looks like post TNG. It looks more like Star Trek Online, if you ask me. It's got the little fiddly bits on it and the little secondary nacelle things on the pylons, and it looks way too complicated. Yeah, to be but the NX there. Enterprise looked like a Sovereign class vessel with the proportions tweaked, so that's nothing new. Yeah, although although uh, in in Star Trek Online they did come out with the NX refit that you can get, which I do have one now. Uh, and it has a new like skin texture to make it look a little bit more like TOS, where it's that more smooth kind of look to it. So it's this beautiful transition. Where they the stuck on the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more gray, a little more smooth. It, 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 not totally, but it moves that direction. It looks really good. So I like what the glimpse they've shown of the uniforms. Oh, yeah. Where blue with the gold piping. Um, and the collar. It looks like a nice halfway point between the Enterprise jumpsuits and the original series bright colored shirts mm-hmm. where it's got some details of both of them sort of smoothed in together I like that a lot yeah it, it, it the production values look pretty good just from the little clips we saw so I'm, I've got high hopes some of the discovery itself still sucks but oh well yeah I'm just so confused by what the hell they what the hell they're thinking with that design so weird looking. It's not as weird looking. Side, it's, it's unattractive looking. That's it's problem. very unattractive. I mean, because from top down, it's circle, triangle, straight lines. 
like like old primary shapes. But you see it from the side, it's all curvilinear like a uh, galaxy class. It's really weird how they designed it. From the side profile, it looks totally different than top down. Like the D, it's curvy no matter which way you look at it, you know? That's the way I like it. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like them curvy. Ample nacelles. <laughs> uh What's your what's your quote there, XV? Oh, uh, real ladies have the cells, boys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and an aft torpedo launcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, after chicken and ribs, yeah. <laughs>